Okay, so uh, th this, hi everybody. <laughs> I'm Greg, and this is Cassandra. Hi. And uh, we, we run one of these a week just to introduce people who, uh, who want to get it climatized uh, a little bit, uh, with new people who are coming in, and uh, also a session to kind of air different challenging questions people would like to address in this program. Um, but before we do that, we, uh, we, we also do an introduction to the wiki space. The wiki space is a very useful tool that we use here, and it lets us communicate and avoid endless cycles of emails. But before we do the, those, uh, we usually go around the room, and uh, there's a mixture of new people and old people you come to these usually, and we say who we are, what we're interested in. So I'll get it started. I'm Greg Huber. I do cellular biomechanics. I'm also interested in cellular organelles. And uh, I'm actually learning a lot about evolution uh, while I'm here. So uh, that's me, Cassandra. Yep. I'm Cassandra Extivor. And um, I'm a developmental geneticist. And I'm interested in how cells make decisions. And I'm particularly interested in germline soma self-fate decisions and distinctions in multicellular animals that reproduce sexually. Joe? I'm Joan Strassman. I work on uh, social amoeba. I have two ends on my name. <laughs> On this name or this name? <laughs> I'm kidding. It would be Joanne. Okay. I'm David Queller. And Joan and I work together, so I also work on social media. We're interested in the evolution of social uh, social interactions, especially kin selection, multicellularity, etc. All those things apply to both of us. I guess James Glazier from Indiana University. I guess last week you said we were supposed to show up for these, so I guess it came a second time. Um, my interests are primarily developmental biology, but for the purposes of this meeting, um, my interests are somatic evolution of cancers and uh, evolution of multicellularity studied by computer simulation. We develop software that allows people very quickly and easily to build very complex uh, simulations of multi-interacting agents, whether those are cells, amoeba, or so on. And uh, if anybody would like to try our software to build uh, large-scale multi-cell simulations of situations they're interested in, they would be delighted to sit with you and help you start building those. Peter Byrne, I'm uh, from Petaluma, California. I'm a, a freelance uh, investigative reporter and science writer. Uh, I'm currently the uh, writer in residence here. Um, for the next eight weeks, I've been here for two weeks. Um, and I believe there's another writer coming along too. Um, so uh, we all will have two writers here. And um, I know that I'll be bothering you with lots of questions. So. My main goal in being here is to learn, and um, I'm also working on a book about Death Valley and how the life forms there 
uh, adapted or responded to rapid desertification 10,000 years ago. With, um, obvious uh, parallels to the present. I should point out the KHP has a long-running writer or journalist in residence program. Peter is one of the occupants of that position now. Okay, I'm Johannes Knebel. Um, I'm from Munich, Germany, and I work together with Erwin Frey. And so what I do is stochastic population dynamics, and I'm focusing on the evolution of cooperation and also biodiversity in general. What did you say your surname was? Knebel. K-N-E-B-E-L. I'm Markus Weber. I'm also a graduate student in Munich. <coughs> And I'm mostly working on range expansions of E. coli and psychic dominance. What did you say your surname was? What river? <coughs> mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't catch the last part of your sentence. You said you're working on this. On range expansions of E. coli bacteria. What E. coli? The psychic dominance. The psychic dominance. Um, I'm Jan Hanau. Uh, I work mostly in cancer and I'm hoping to learn something here that I could apply to my interests, uh, particularly in bioevolution, and how the new response can go adapt and go involved and cooperate with the response. Um, I'm Dian, D-I-A-N. Uh, I'm in the literature researcher uh, doing the computational work in the molecular and the biogenetics. So I'm very interested in this topic here. Okay, here to get some ideas from it. Okay. I'm David Nelson. Uh, I'm interested in uh, competition and cooperation uh, in uh, yeast strains uh, on a plate, how that does that play out spatially, and I'm also interested in life and high rentals. I'm Simone Pigolotti. Uh, I'm a clinical biophysicist uh, and I work on a variety of problems. My main interest is in population dynamics, different factors of population dynamics. I'm, I'm George Pacheco. P-H-E-C-O. <laughs> correct, correct, thank you. And I'm doing um, theoretical models of population dynamics and uh, with a particular interest this conference in the somatic evolution of cancer and its relation with multicellularity. My name is Francisco Santos. Say it again. Santos, S-A-N-T-O-S. I'm working on evolution or cooperation and behavioral evolution in general and on complex networks and how complex networks and we call it the cooperation in the context of climate change. I'm a Federico Tosky. I'm uh, working in statistical dynamics and I'm interested in the way food uh, transport after the
I'm Andrei Kusmanov, postdoc with David Nelson, and I'm working on problems in soft condensed matter, immunology, and in general problems in interfacing physics and now. I'm Max Lorentovich, student with uh, David Nelson. I'm interested in range expansions. Great. So on the wiki, which Greg will introduce later, you guys can uh, put up a legible version of this uh, for yourselves and for everyone else's benefit. There's a page where you can uh, just write a sentence or however much you would like about yourself so that people have some orientation. Many subsets of people here know each other, but uh, I think almost every week there will be people who will be meeting new people for the first time. So it's handy to know what uh, people's expertise and interests are. Um, I can go over this list from last time, if you yeah, want to do that. Quickly do yeah. that. So what's been interesting the last couple of weeks is at the beginning of the week to get a sense of who's here and what kinds of things people do and uh, the kinds of questions they might be interested in discussing throughout the week or the weeks that they are here. And so these are the one-sentence summaries of complex ideas that were discussed in the last two weeks. And I'll just give you a one, sorry, one words, and I'll just give you a one-sentence thing for each one to give you a flavor of the types of concepts that were brought up in the last couple of weeks, which you can obviously feel free to repeat or feel free to skip since there's some sense that, um, that this is already done. And what I'll do after this is what I did in the last two weeks, which is take a picture of whatever it is I managed to get down on the board of what you guys say and, uh, and put that up on the wiki. And so you can also see a slightly more expanded version of this on the wiki. So in the, this is just a combination of stuff from first and second weeks. There, were in, there was interest in discussing models like Volvox. Um, you know, there's some specific interest among some people specifically in Volvocene algae, but more generally as a model of division of labor and the principles on which that might be based and the different types of behaviors that different cells taking on different jobs might do. There's interest in the system also because there's a lot of uh, extant biological data that has been gathered. And there are also uh, toy models that people are working on being able to incorporate these types of data. So James, for example, is working on some toy models of that. Cancer has come up a lot. There are many people interested in somatic evolution. Is it, a, is it loss of cooperation when we think about cancer, or is it just a different type of cooperation? We can talk about models. We can talk about what to the extent to which there are actually any good data that we can input into models. Game theory is a popular topic of discussion. Is it useful for anything? Why shouldn't we use it? Maybe we can't figure out why it's terrible. Let's just use it. That kind of discussion <laughs> happened, right? Um, there was an important point um, brought up by Owen and reinforced by many that it's probably, and this is related, I think, to this here, is, uh, you know, we have, of course, people who are, none of us can be pigeonholed, we're all unique, et cetera, but there can be uh, a perceived gulf between the approaches and understanding of physicists and biologists, all in scare quotes, and there's some discussion of making sure that we try our best to identify, if possible, any common ground, any common vocabulary even. When we use the same words, do we really mean the same things? Within different fields of biology, we know that that's, this is not true. I'm sure that the same is, is the case for between, well, perhaps not between different fields of physics, but so identifying common ground, identifying are there any principles uh, that we can agree on uh, in the cases of theories or in the cases of data. In the cases of data, as those of you who deal with biological data know, there is not universal or absolute agreement as to what constitutes good data or bad data or good analysis or bad analysis. How aware can we be and make each other of these issues so that we don't basically uh, reenact old battles? And having some awareness of what those old battles were and what key literature points were in the field uh, can be helpful for that. 
Um, and you can feel free to contribute to this broadening of understanding and laying of bedrock by posting materials that you feel are critical on the wiki. I don't think there's been a huge amount of activity in that front, but that could be, a, I mean, you can put anything you want on the wiki within limits, probably. So um, there was discussion of the in interest in networks as, as cooperative entities, perhaps, and these are networks, very broadly speaking, that could be gene regulatory, that could be ecological. So network concept is interesting. There was interesting discussion last week and some nice case examples and presentations of what, sh what is or what should be or could be the relationship between different types of experiments, lab experiments, field experiments, and theory and uh, models and simulation, and what, what kinds of interactions are fruitful or not fruitful with these different approaches, and you know everyone has their pros and cons. So we saw different examples of how these, these things have interacted in interesting collaborations. There, the point was raised that should we be talking about cosmology? Is that a front of evolution? Is it, uh, is it a place where cooperation is taking place? Or is it a bunch of crackpot? No resolution there. Gradients, what are the role of gradients in evolution? Gradients of, of whatever you like um, in the evolution, in the dynamics of changing behaviors, of changing frequencies of, of whatever property you're interested in, uh, an allele, a morphogen. Um, Issues of division of labor obviously come up and are related to issues of somatic evolution and the cancer volvox idea, but there's quite a bit of interest in exploring this when it happens in different situations. And then fitness, there were very interesting discussions sparked largely by the contributions of Michael Dobley, a mathematician who was here in the first two weeks. Um, and there was a lot of interesting discussion as to what is fitness, how can we treat it, if, is there or is there not a universal definition or at least a universal concept that we can apply to our models or to our experiments? Is it a scalar quantity whose basically whose backstory is, is irrelevant and so we can just assign it a parameter value and use it going forward or do we need to open the black box and figure out how it's constructed recognizing as some felt that it is not uh, it, we can't treat it as a fixed quantity because every system is dynamic and so fitness is basically just a snapshot composed of multiple uh, parameters that we must measure at a given time point or at a given population point in order to have fitness have a real meaning uh, for our work. So that's an interesting point of discussion that again has been ongoing. So these are some of the ideas that people have brought up and discussed in the last couple of weeks. I will write down anything that you say that you want to throw up that we should also keep in mind as we go forward this week and in future weeks. is three legs, which is experiment, theory, and simulation. Because simulation really isn't theory. And it, it has many of the properties of experimental science. And people certainly talk about in silico experiments these days. And so uh, sometimes that that's, uh, it's helpful to distinguish those. Uh, and then but it's much closer to theory than I'm not sure. And the I other side. Often the field that is closer to experiments. It uh, depends, of course, on exactly the details. But 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 it is it is distinct from both. I think. Uh, I mean, this this did not. I mean, I don't want to deal. I mean, the ontology is another question. But 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 I think I certainly wouldn't call myself a theorist. Uh, but what would other people? Uh, they call me as a computational <laughs> a computational biologist. Is always separate. Right. And I'm much more comfortable going, I mean, I teach mathematical biology also, of course, but I, I'm much more comfortable in a way going from simulation to experiment, which I also do, than I, that I am actually trying to derive analytical understanding of, of our results. 
Certainly as a biologist, I, I think of simulations in a different place from theory. For me, as someone who doesn't do simulations, I think of simulations as a type of experiment, but a type of experiment with way more fixed parameters than I could ever generate, and maybe some a priori, again, uh, more carefully controlled input things than I can generate in, a, in an experiment with biology. I mean, the great thing about a simulation is that you can control everything in the simulation. You know exactly what you have. The, the problem is that you don't always have the ability to understand what the values of those parameters are from the experiment. Uh, the, the third aspect of it is sort of coming from a complexity background, is that one thing complexity tells us is that you cannot necessarily predict the behavior of an ensemble of agents from the behavior of the individual agents just by looking at the individual agents. And that's the only thing you can do, unless you're lucky mathematically, is a simulation. And so you're, in a sense, when, you're, when you say you have to simulate things, you're, you're, you're abandoning a certain depth of understanding, at least to begin with. Uh, but simulations also can be very powerful. I mean, if you had a perfect all-atom simulation of you, uh, I would maintain you haven't actually learned anything in the sense of what we mean by understand. However, that would be incredibly useful if you want to design a new drug or test a treatment or do anything else. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, in some sense, simulation is an engineering approach to understand the working with biology, mm -hmm. whereas simulation comes from a more scientific approach. Mm -hmm. the, the other thing I just wanted to say more personally is that we do have these uh, Volvox simulations running and these uh, cancer somatic evolution simulations running they're very flexible. We can add mechanisms, we can add ideas. And so people who have ideas about, gee, I would like to see what happens if we have somatic evolution of cancer under these situations with these hypotheses about how the cells are behaving, uh, that would be really helpful. What I hope more than anything else is to hook up with people who are doing biological, uh, biological understanding or mathematical questions where we can take these roughed out models and develop them into things that have meaningful scientific answers. And again, these are, it's quite easy to do that. that the understanding of biology is very hard. Uh, translating into simulation is very easy. Uh, and so if people are interested uh, in sort of helping us take these toy Volvox or cancer uh, somatic evolution models and answer real questions with them, uh, we would be ecstatic. Joan, you wanted to. I have a more general question, and that is: Is what goes on here open or closed? Uh, it can be uh, closed. It, it's up to you. Is so it for secret or is it open? We have a writer here, so I'm kind of assuming it's open. The, the, yeah. The wiki right now is open. We can close it, but it is open now. Uh, and once you join the wiki, you can edit it freely. Only people who join have the edit privilege. Um, in terms of the presentations, they like us to be mic'd for all of the presentations, and you can choose whether or not that presentation goes up on the website or not. If it goes up on the website, it will be up forever. I, I'm talking about writing, blogging, tweeting, all of that. What's your policy? I don't think that there is a set policy. I think it's going to be an opt-out. It's open unless you specifically voice that you would like your things not to be. Yeah. I, I would add that uh, I, I'm actually here not really as a reporter but as a student, uh, and I don't tweet, 
I do. <laughs> Sorry for you. I don't tweet and I don't blog. And uh, if anybody says that they would prefer that you know some experimental result they're working on or something like that um, not be made public, I utterly respect that. So we operate under the assumption that it's open unless people explicitly say don't talk about this. That's exactly. Correct. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, maybe what would be helpful, I don't know that, I don't think this has happened yet, but if someone lets us know that they don't want their thing put on the website, then we can also just let the group know, just for your information, this is the presentation that the author has asked not be okay. put on the website, so please keep it within the room. Yeah. That's good. I would love to say something more about what James was saying before. I mean, I, I stumbled upon this discussion of what is simulation and also other context, and I think. Uh, one uh, goes always, uh, you know, encounters always the same problem that uh, when people talk about this problem, they have different things in mind about what simulations are. I mean, I'm sure my simulations are not game simulation, this simulation. In terms of complexity based, I mean, even for the same problem, I mean, there are people that use uh, simulation in a way which is very close to theory. So they have a model which can almost solve. I mean, they want to keep it simple, but you know, there, there is, you know, you can't, you can't calculate everything at the end, and then, you know, you need a little bit of numerics to, to polish the results, for example. And there are other scientists which use, you know, more extensive simulations with a lot of parameters, perhaps not the parameters, but things that one can measure. And in that case, of course, one somehow becomes a bit more similar to an experiment, and of course, the trade-off is that you lose a little bit of, uh, you know, direct understanding of what's going on. So I certainly agree that it's a, it's a fair thing, but uh, whether you place it close to theory, close to experiment, I think it's very, very subjective, I mean, depending on the kind of thing you are sure. Yeah, I, I would agree with Simone. Simulation maybe isn't a third leg, it's more diffuse. It's like an air mattress. <laughs> you can't, I mean, you can stand on it, but uh, uh, you can use simulation, like you're saying, as an adjunct to theory, to extend theory. Or you could use it, as James is saying, as a, another type of experimental protocol in a sense. Yeah. I think Darwin said something, I think it was Darwin, that every experiment or observation has to be for or against a hypothesis, or else the observations are useless. And you could take that same attitude and apply it to simulational experiments as well. You said remind my graduate students of that. Yes. <laughs> well, we should all be reminded of that. Oh, I saw this. Who cares? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, this is a time for people to suggest things they'd like to address in the program. Yeah. Um, just to throw some more biology in there. Um, Joan and I used to work on social insects, and now we work on cellularity. And we view things sort of within the framework of the major transitions in evolution. Multiple instances during the course of evolution, when, when previously competitive things have combined to make cooperative entities, and so major transitions might be a topic that we want to yes. embed multicellularity in. Yeah, very good. And, and if people are here for the conference, you'll get a lot of that too, because that's the major theme of the conference. Also. first talk, there was a lot of discussion about major mm. transitions. What is a, how do you define a major transition? Is it always a shift in 
modes of cooperation, or can you have yeah. major transitions that are something else, environmentally uh, triggered, or I don't. Someone said the opposable thumb. I don't know if they were suggesting that as a different kind of major, as a major transition, but or as a devil's advocate type uh, thing. But uh, uh, certainly, I'm of the school of thought that uh, major transitions could be defined in some more objective way, but there was this pushback. Maybe it's all subjective. Maybe it has to do just with what what we care about or something. I think one, this is something we also talked about the other week, which I think would be very helpful, especially when you have people coming from biology in, which is it would be one thing that would be very, very useful to the people doing theory, modeling, simulations, and so on, and physicists, even if they're experimentalists, is examples of co-organisms or social situations where, uh, for example, unicellularity and multicellularity coexist. Um, so that you're dealing with really the situation where it's facultative rather than obligatory. Because if you want to model a transition from unicellularity to multicellularity, there has to be some stage at which you can do both. And if there are any existing examples that could be described maybe in an informal talk um, so that people can understand the situations in which that happens, that could be sort of semi-social insects or it could be Dictate, of course, are classic that way, but but other examples. You can give more examples. For instance, as an example. Well, I mean, whether biofilms count as multicellular, for example. I mean, the bacteria certainly can live unicellularly. Um, any other examples that are maybe less familiar, but might help us understand situations which give rise to a multicellular cooperation or specialization, germline somatic separation. These issues. Um, uh, would be great. The more the more test cases you have, the more uh, possibility you've got of trying to understand what's fundamental. Can I ask how, how does the conference fit into this? Is it, is it part of this? Is it everybody here going to be at the conference or? Uh, no, um, the conference is a administratively separate thing. First of all. But it's also a little conceptually separate too, because uh, people are coming just. Some people are coming just for the conference, and the activity in the conference it's uh, it's much different than the activity in the program. Uh, the program we're given strict orders from the administration not to over schedule, to leave a lot of free time for discussions, uh, and the conference is completely scheduled. That is. Uh, you know, the, every minute is booked. But that having said that, uh, the conference is booked in such a way that there is time for discussion too. It's just set aside, you know, discussion time, something like that. More conference-like. Yeah. But I think uh, just going from memory, about 50% of the people who are here this particular week will also be at the conference. We'll stay Hoping through. And uh, also on the wiki that uh, Greg will point out later, you can get a list of everyone who will and has ever been here for this program, including the conference, and when they arrive and leave, so you can get a sense of who's going to be here when. Yeah, sorry, John. So 
I, I'm really trying to figure out what it is you're doing here. Why are you listing these things? What do you expect the result of that to be? Uh, you know, I, I don't know these people. I wouldn't really know what the point is of listing things. I kind of know what I do and what I'm interested in and what I'm going to keep on doing. And I'm so old, I'm not very flexible. <laughs> I'm actually more flexible than a lot of people. I, I just don't get the point. So, I mean, and also, do you really find that conversations kind of with a whole row of men facing you is really uh, effective way of getting ideas out? I mean, what, what's going on here? And how long is this going to last? So it, uh, the, any given individual's participation in any aspect of the program only lasts as long as they feel like it. And people will get up and do get up and come and go during any given set of presentations or discussions. So you shouldn't you shouldn't shouldn't feel no, obliged I'm just to, to understand. Yeah. I'm not, you know, yeah. I am a curmudgeon, but I'm new, so mm -hmm. So the um, the idea behind I guess the whole structure of the program is definitely different from the conferences that I had previously attended generally. And the idea is to have a very small number of formal or formal-ish presentations. <clears throat> that uh, I would say for the last couple of weeks most of the presentations have consisted of someone if they ran uninterrupted through the slides they had prepared it might take them 15 or 20 minutes and we talk about it for about two hours because right from the first slide there's a lot of interruption and discussion um, and back and forth and so that will happen one or two times a day generally uh, every day and um, I've certainly found this useful just speaking personally at the beginning of every week to get a sense of what the interests and approaches and ideas are of the people who will be there for that week. It gives me some sense that I can uh, um, know, for example, that there might be expertise that's complementary to mine that I'm interested in doing a specific collaboration with on something that I might hear about for the first time or something that I already came here in mind with. So it gives me a sense of who is here because we learn more about who is here in this exercise than we do from the wiki because nobody writes anything about themselves on the wiki. Um, so, and so you're looking for lists here of mm -hmm. what people are doing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what they're interested in and why they are here. Um, and some people have a really clear idea of what they want to get done here and others don't really know what it is they want to get done or even if they should have come in the first place. Those are advice for making connections throughout the rest of the visitor. Right, right. And also to give people a sense of some of the topics uh, that have come up already in the last couple of weeks. So there might be, um, it might be interesting that something that you think is really critical to this topic in general actually it doesn't appear to have been discussed that might be my omission or it might just really have not occurred to anyone so far yet and you might like to bring that up or you might say oh wait a minute I came here really interested in fitness to for example and I so people are already been talking about this so let's talk more about that or let me go back to the presentations that were given last week and hear the discussions and see what what's already been said and uh, so that list mm -hmm. comes from the Monday things from previous weeks and not from the talks? Correct. 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 It comes from the Monday thing from previous weeks and not from the talks. Some of those topics were reflected in the talks, but many were not. Okay. All right. Well, then I'll throw out something. Yeah. If I'm not being too dominant. Great. Um, as Dave said, we came at multicellularity from social behavior and um, one of the things we found is that from studying social behavior of organisms that you can see the different individuals and look at what they're doing and why they're doing it and what the conflicts are and how they cooperate and what the advantages are, 
you can really see quite clearly what's going on. Um, and this, I think, has really informed our microbial work and um, has also made it really clear that an awful lot of microbiologists looking at social behavior can't really differentiate between things like lions killing gazelles from, uh, you know, mothers caring for babies and that they will infer cooperation or conflict in the absence of having a clue as to what's going on. So I think understanding social evolution theory is really important. It's not the same as straight evolution in the absence of, of theory. Um, and it's, it's largely based within species on kin selection and inclusive fitness. And between species, it's based on mutualism, which is a much less well-developed theory. So that's, that's what we do, basically, is take theory that we know pretty well and apply it to systems where you can mess with them a whole lot more. And so next year is the uh, 50th anniversary of the publication of Hamilton's uh, main kin selection papers. And so there's a jillion different papers and volumes that are being organized to put together those sorts of things. And actually, in the last decade, there has been an awful lot of work on microbial social evolution. But there's also just a huge, huge uh, problem with this, in particular with the biofilm community, where they think they know what's going on. And they, So I came because I'm a risk taker, and I'd like to I'd like to be challenged, and I'm willing to see if I can learn something. So, so the um, the microbial communities face some challenges that you don't have. With the they don't know the theory. They think everything's happened helping. They think one species will die to make room for the next species. Mm -hmm. I mean. You know, the literature's full of it, and it's it's really... It's getting better. In some, in some areas, yeah. There's, you know. Okay. No, no, we can erase the people. We can uh, eliminate some species to make room for others. Wait, I need to take a picture. That's okay. I'll take a picture. Actually, I have, I have been taking pictures, but not transcribing what people do. But if people would find it helpful, I can do that from memory and make up what you do. No, I'm kidding. I remember pretty well. Um, and the other thing, I mean, Joan's point is a good one. Is this the most effective way to gather ideas and wishes at the beginning of the week? So certainly, if people are finding it unhelpful, uh, definitely, definitely. So yeah. Um, so I uh, ran a workshop to, it was NSF sponsored, the idea was to save the animal behavior program at NSF um, to, to make it clear really how it was important and we had no innovation uh, work with us, they're very expensive, it was really great. I'll tell you what they'd be doing right now. They would have big pads of paper all around the room and sticky pads, yes. and you'd write five ideas down, 
and then people would start putting headings on the boards. It would be completely interactive. You would start sticking your stickies up. You would find groups. That's what they would be doing right now. Just, just you know. Do you think we should do that? <laughs> would you be willing to coordinate a session? Because I've also been at NSF-sponsored panels that have been run by No Innovation. I've also found them extremely effective. Um, but I also definitely felt that the reason that they were effective is because the guy who was running them was expert in hurting scientists. Is this Andy? Andy Burnett. Yeah. Yeah, Andy. Um, and uh, and I think that's that's a special skill. Um, so we I mean, use them in our lab meetings. Mm -hmm. We use them. We've used them in lots of different scenarios. We took the I don't know if you did the creativity course he offers with the little yellow man yeah. afterwards. Um, I use it with my undergrad teaching. I completely mm -hmm. stopped lecturing. Mm -hmm. um, and, Will you? Yeah. You know, Andy. I love Andy. Okay. But I, yeah, he's not necessary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, you'll be here for a few weeks, right? Just three. So if we get you materials, would you do this next week in that way? Sure. Great. Okay. But you have to give me the materials. Yeah. Just make a list of what you need. We'll get it. Okay. okay. That's a great suggestion. Those are those are very interesting. I was going to say one thing that might also be helpful is doing an optional two-minute summary of what people have done. A two-slide summary, maybe at the end of the week, uh, sort of a journal club type thing, where if people want to throw something up and say, this is what I'm thinking about, they can see it. So I know with the things I do, it's all movies. And so when I say we do simulations of all box of cancer, uh, if you don't see the pictures, it doesn't either. I mean, we've done biofilm simulations, we've done all these the kinds of things. And usually nobody has a clue what we're talking about until you see what they say, oh, that's what you're doing. So why don't we, wouldn't we want to do it at the beginning and not the end? Well, you could do it at the, this Monday would also be possible. The other thing is to say, okay, this week this is what I've got done. I'm looking for something new for next week. Mm -hmm. Then people have a weekend to think about it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You mean actually get work done in a week? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Did I hear that That's right? the goal of our simulation method, is that you could actually write the simulation in a day or two, run it in a day or two, and have results in a week. No promises, but we teach it in a week. And we have people all over the world using it. So if you want to try, you want to have write simulations of, you probably use something, you either write your own, you use something swarm, probably, for simulation. But if you want to try writing a simulation, Joan should stand on a giant S so we know when she's using sarcasm. <laughs> Were you the one? I'm sorry. I'm to remember. Maybe I misremembered. Did you come to one of our workshops on social? Uh, You're not the person who slogged Eshel Benjaka. The only melee I've ever had in a workshop was we had a workshop on the arts of social behavior. It's used organisms many years ago in India, which I heard of. And I thought it was Rosie Redfield, but I can't remember. And she talked about the fact that you can't have group selection unless there's some kind of fit. I mean, you, that you can't have a teleological evolutionary explanation. You actually have to have benefits of things that are, that are either living or dying. And Eshel Ben Yaakov got up and said, only a woman would say something like that. And she slugged him. <laughs> and there was a, Good for her. That's what I said. And then there was this general melee in the room as the kid selectionists and the mutualists started hitting each other. And the whole uh, session fell apart into this fist fight. 
I'm was guessing quite, that's quite, an quite, exaggeration. No, no, it was pretty dramatic. Uh, it was, it was Natasha Mediabody. Fortunately, it was the last talk of the day. And boy, did I like Eschel's expression when she hit it. I was so satisfied. Anyway, who won? She did. <laughs> And of course she was, well, of course she was right. I mean, every, I mean, she was 100 percent right. Anyway, okay. But, but I have this feeling maybe I misremembered who's Lagashul. But anyway, the idea of sound bites that are five minutes long—it's a great idea. Two slides. Five minutes is too much with 50 people. Well, two two minutes per slide. So five, four. And Limit off. time, not slides. Okay. Four minutes. And people shouldn't have to show anything, but. If somebody wants to say, hey, this gives you a little more idea of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Especially if they're new collaborations, it's really mm -hmm. nice to know. Yes. Because just the way your post-it notes are trying to nucleate groups with a little bit of help, yes. showing, hey, there are two of us who've got a little bit of a result, maybe somebody else who's been on the fence will jump in. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, not, and if you say that's a stupid idea, that's fine. I don't mind. No, it's neat. Optional. And, um, and it might be neat also, you know, maybe somebody's trying to do something for the first time and they just use their two minutes to say, I tried this, I came up against this roadblock. If anybody has any ideas, I'll buy a coffee later. So you're going to do the wiki now? I think uh, I just have to set it up a little before I do it. Um, okay. We will segue soon into the wiki. Okay. You could have one more. Or any other. Here if we have other ideas. Things that people would like. I have a question yeah. uh, for Julianne. Uh, when you say mutualism, do you mean group selection as it's commonly known, or is there differentiation, uh, choice of words, any kind of To me, you have mutual. You have to have direct benefits if you have cooperation between species. So, we are now working on a really amazing agricultural symbiosis in Dictyostelium with bacteria. You can't have kin selection between species. Within species, you can have mutualism and you can have kin selection. They're not in opposition. Um, they have different requirements. They are generally used to explain different things. Uh, Reciprocal, al reciprocal altruism is way overhyped in all of life outside of uh, perhaps humans, perhaps humans and great apes. So I'm not saying that that's common, um, but mutualism is not impossible within, within the species. It's just pretty much unlikely. Um, but between species, it's what's going on and it's it's led to some just so many really fascinating evolutionary transitions where, you know, for a fungus, it's a lot easier to grab an alga than to evolve photosynthesis, for example. So, what would mutualism mean within a species? Uh, you got me my coffee, for example. Oh, I'm I'm my uh, <laughs> I know you might get some benefits later on. So, okay. Okay. so does, does something like a big wasp qualify as mutualism? Sure. Okay. So I just want to make sure I don't know which thing. Yeah. And and so the you know there's 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 been so much more good good theory on inclusive fitness than there has been on mutualism. It's a it's a it's a much 
you know, it's a much broader, more difficult sort of thing. I mean, there's, there's, um, you, you know, so that's where major transitions come in, where you have the, the, you know, things like like grabbing the plastids and the, the mitochondria. That's a that's a major transition. That's also originates with the mutualism. Um, so, you, and there is theory out there. It's just not come together as cohesively as kin selection have, perhaps because it's explaining other These are, uh, how do I quantify the fact that Dave went and got you coffee? How it benefits? Guess why I don't work on humans. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, 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 I'm just asking not a human question. Well, so so um, you know, there's stuff that's been done on this. I don't know if you is know. Is it just fitness? Uh, benefits to that well, if it's evolution, yeah, of course it's fitness. What else would it be? Then ex extinct species could benefit living species. The fact that there are they're not gaining a direct fitness advantage, so it wouldn't really be a. Uh, so that's where you're getting into the gazelle lion thing. So, I mean, the term symbiosis does not imply directionality of benefit or even differentiate from parasitism. Mutualism does. So. Last week, and, and the simulations we do, taking a really hard time with, and you also have a very hard time with it in the game theory end, is getting germline somatic separation. And of course, that's an example of, of extreme mutualism in the sense that now, of course, you've got new kin selection theories for, for germline somatic separation. But the problem is always the same one, that at the beginning, if the cell has a choice between reproducing and not reproducing, then it's very difficult to construct a scenario where the cell decides not to reproduce. And that's why I'm, I'm very interested in any kind of uh, intermediates where you have, for example, cells that uh, have some degree of specialization at some cost to reproductive potential. But you haven't made a, a binary decision to be germat, germ or, or somatic. Are you talking about a genetic change that does that? Or? I, I actually am very uninterested in genetics. I, I'm interested in heritable behaviors, whatever the mechanisms of heritability of those behaviors are. Well, you're not going to get germline soma separation with heritable behaviors for each of those. It would be a heritable conditional behavior to some type. Under certain conditions become a germline cell, under other conditions become a Maybe, maybe terminology is always an issue here. Um, I mean, genetics is is simply. A, well, it's a little, let's talk about that over coffee. <laughs> yes, I mean, if you want to say genetics, that's fine. But you can certainly have heritable things that affect the way cells behave. For example, that are not DNA changes in DNA. That's awesome. Yeah, we should talk. Okay. All right, I think maybe we should close down this part of the meeting. And uh, I'd like to introduce how to use the wiki, people. Um, you've heard this already, or if you're already an expert on the wiki, you don't have to stay. Uh, 
But those who haven't used it, uh, I'd like everyone to learn how to use it. And you should have received an invitation uh, by email already to, the, to join the wiki. Okay, so this is the homepage for the KITP, kitp.ucsb.edu. You can see there's a link to our program, this uh, image here, and also there's a link uh, there. Um, but this is an active link, you can just click on it. Get our, this is our program's homepage. At the bottom there are links, this is a link to the conference. This is a link, a link to the wiki space, so I'm gonna click there. 